Welcome to Moving Forward. I'm your host, Lynn Swanner. On this podcast, I'll interview forward-thinking Christian school leaders and educators on best practice, innovative approaches, and new opportunities in Christian education. On today's podcast, I interviewed Jake Becker, head of the City School in Philadelphia, which is a vibrant school with three campuses in the city, two elementary campuses and a brand new secondary campus for grades 6 through 12. I talk with Jake about what makes the City School unique, including the school's history of multiple successful mergers, their emphasis on socioeconomic diversity, and their school-wide focus on Shalom as a unifying concept for an open admission school in the urban context. Jake also shares insights on navigating the challenges facing today's Christian schools with courage and a willingness to take risks, as well as what lies ahead for the next generation of Christian school leaders. So Jake, welcome, and let's get started with having you tell us a little bit about the city school. Uh, The city school is a beautiful place. Um, The city school is a community of believers uh, who love Jesus and want to do good work in the city. Uh, We serve about... um, Children from pre-K through 12th grade, we've been doing it for 40 years. Uh, We've merged three different independent Christian schools um, around commitments to Jesus, to the city, to being excellent and accessible, all for the purpose of cultivating a vision for shalom in the lives of our children. Um, That's worth giving your life to. Uh, That's worth um, serving the Lord for and asking for his vision um, to be a part of, of what we're doing. So I know the concept of shalom in the city has become a focal point for you over the past few years. Can you tell us about that concept and what it means, especially given the school's urban and open admissions context? Um, Because of Jesus, we're committed to Shalom in the city. Uh, Shalom is a concept that crosses denominational lines. Uh, We've merged a Mennonite school with a school with Presbyterian roots. Uh, We have Baptists, Pentecostals, Episcopalians, atheists, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims who are a part of the city school at various points in time, and everyone can get behind the idea of wholeness and peace. We do that in Jesus' name. That's a sense of God's kingdom come and will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So for something as simple as that, um, it's just a very beautiful image of why we do school at all. Um, The way that we're trying to understand Shalom, I think Nicholas Waltersdorf does a good job in defining it as just right relationships with God, with ourselves, with others in creation. And so to have an entire curriculum rooted in an urban context or any context that is focused on training children's minds and discipling their hearts to have an understanding of what that kind of right relationship might actually look like, to know yourself in relation to be made in God's image, to just simply have a self-awareness of who you are and your, your own identity, to know how to care for the people around you and have a sense of what God has done in his creation. I don't know what else education is for. And so to keep things, what, education gets really complicated, right? There's a lot of jargon. There's lots of pedagogy. There's lots of methodology. But at its root, it's about bringing God's kingdom come and will being done in our midst. And we hope that, you know, we can be a part of that and trust that the Lord will lead us in that way. So, Jake, what's the, what's the background? Can you tell us how you arrived at this vision for the city school? I think there's a great cloud of witnesses um, that exists in any community context. Um, the city school has been around for 40 years, uh, but there's, we counted it, there's something like 100 years of faithfulness at the school. One campus was started in 1978, another in 1983, another in 1998, and we've only had the name the city school for five years. But we've been able to grow and thrive with it because it has been able to kind of speak to God's call on our community. 
So if any one person thinks that they have a whole lot to do with it, they're kind of mistaken. Um, I just get to work with great people. Um, what that means, I think, in the role of head of school is to articulate truth. I think a lot of people are very easily deceived by thinking that this is about my kids or this neighborhood or simply this particular culture or this denomination. If we're not about really understanding children and leading them to Christ in an honest, caring way that teaches them how to think and not simply what to think, I don't know that we're following the right call. And so the names don't matter. The legacies only matter in so much as they inform the vision forward. Not that you have to deny what you, if you know your rootedness, you can know your vision. And we've done a lot of that work at the city school to know what our fundamental roots are in order to know how we can grow and where we can go. And so we've had, like I said, two different mergers, three different schools, five different campuses, four names, uh, multiple different principals on multiple different campuses. And all of that has been able to grow simply because we know whose we are and who we can become together. And that's a lot of fun. It's hard, scarring work, but I don't think the Lord calls us to anything less. So Jake, how does socioeconomic diversity fit into the identity of the city school? Uh, you, you did write a blog post for us a few months back on this, and we'll include the link to that in the podcast resources. But can you talk a little bit about why socioeconomic diversity is important at the city school? 50% um, of students at the city school um, come from families who earn about 200% of the po federal poverty line or less. So an example of that would be a family of four that makes about $45,000 a year. So half of our families are around that you know, income level or less and half or more. Um, who you learn with matters. And our society is polarized because our families are polarized, because our schools are polarized, because our communities are polarized. And if you're not willing to take the risk to put your child, to put your family in a school or in a community or in any sort of church setting that people don't look, act, or think like you, you're not going to grow. And really a school at its best is a place where children learn from each other and the adults get out of the way. And so that's our whole point is to encourage children to learn from each other and to be a part of that. So who you learn with matters. Who I learned with matter. Who I am learning with and working with and worshiping with matters. How that plays across race, ideology, socioeconomic diversity, that matters. Um, and it's not about having some token friend, you know. It's not about, oh, I've got this person or that person, so I don't have to feel bad about yourself. Are you acting out of faith or out of fear? Are you acting out of the opportunity to grow? Or are you acting out of a sense of just kind of covering your rear to say that you did something, you get a sticker for being a nice person? I, um, I'm a broken man. I have a broken family. I have a broken school. And I get to be a part of Jesus' shalom in my midst. And I get to do that learning with people who can bless my life. I think that's a lot of fun, and it's super hard. Um, so I, I know my pride gets in a way a lot. And there's only, the only way my pride's going to get broken down is if I have people who can see things in a different way than I see them. And the only way that I can address that with my children is if my children go to a school where people look, act, and think a little differently than them, that they can learn from and they can be a blessing to. So I know in talking with school leaders, of course, you know, change can be scary and it's scary for all of us, but uh, sometimes leaders feel that 
in order to cement their legacy and even to cement what God's done in the life of the school, that maybe that means you can't change what you're doing. So to substantially change things, whether maybe it's a new name or a new approach to teaching and learning or even a new campus, that somehow that negates the work that has been done or alters it in a way that's just too radical. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what makes it different at the city school and what encouragement you'd have for school leaders when it comes to taking risks? So your question is about how do you handle the fear associated with change or, do you, or to even know when or how to change? What, what is it worth willing to risk? Um, I think there are two stories um, that really uh, clarify that for us and framing how we think. So one, simply for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross and scorned its shame. If you're not compelled by a vision for joy in the future, then you won't bear the hardships of the present. So if you find joy in what could come, you'll know what's worth it in the in-between. It's just like being a dad. I, for the joy set before me, for my, my son to flourish, I'll endure the hardships of what that means. And that means hard conversations. The second um, is actually the parable of the talents, or the, the parable of, of the master who gives servants uh, five, ten, and, and one um, uh, talents. So, you know, amount of money. And uh, reading that, as we were doing our strategic plan, really implementing this calling and vision that we really had, um, I really asked for the Lord, don't just, you know, give me the same old parable. Could you please speak to me about this? And what struck me was, isn't what uh, the master says to the servants who give uh, return double his money five you know great job you know you gave me ten I'm so excited about that too great job you've given me four that's you know it's amazing well done my good and faithful servant that's what we're used to hearing he says to the servant who basically buries the talent and gives it back to him you wicked person the least you could have done was return it for interest and I think as mo for most of us we think of that being as the most that we could do could we just Give God a little interest on his return. If, if I can add maybe one or two students, if I could add just a little bit more stability, that would be enough. The master does not chastise the servants who he gives five to. You wicked servant, why did you risk all of my money to think that you might squander all of it, to think that I even needed you to double my money? He encourages and said, well done, good and faithful servant. So the fear for me of losing an entire school for the types of risks that we've taken. The shame of a cloud of witnesses pointing their finger at me or our board of directors and saying, shame, shame, why would you risk all of this? That's really heavy stuff. I just don't think there's another way. That if we're not willing to risk everything, then all we're willing to give is just a little bit of interest. I think the Lord tells us that's the least you could have done. And so in the process, I get to see miracles. I get to see people who never could have thought something could happen just be explosive and full of joy. The building that we're in is a miracle that I never deserved to experience in my life. And we're not done. You know, we're just walking up to the land of Jericho, and he hasn't knocked anybody down yet. God doesn't do that when the Israelites move into Canaan. He doesn't just say, you know, okay, you know, everybody's gone, just walk into the land. He calls you, and every single step of faith you have to take is the next step of faith. So it's never over. It's not like, oh, you've arrived. There is no arrival. There's getting the chance to walk with Jesus and see miracles in my day and time that I get to tell my kids or my grandkids or that people get to mo be motivated by or that they get to be enjoyed. And honestly, some people don't really want to do it, and they're not here anymore. 
and not that we're trying to be mean, but there's just a sense of an honest conversation. Is this what God has called you to? And so it takes a, a cloud of witnesses. It takes a stewardship of a board of directors and an honest relationship with a board chair and a head of school and with the head of school and the people that you're reporting to and with teachers, with the parents, with the students. If those aren't honest relationships, then this can't happen. And so we're nothing if we're not telling other people that we love them and being able to receive their care and concern. So it takes everything and then you get everything. If it's only about that little bit of interest, it's not worth it to you. So Jake, you mentioned the Poplar campus, which is of course the city school's new secondary campus and we're standing here in it and it's quite an amazing place. Can you tell us the story behind it and how we ended up standing here? So we're standing in the most amazing abandoned school building I've ever heard of. Philadelphia has probably about 300 schools in it, maybe more. People, we've been needing an upper school campus for years. We've been in two beautiful, friendly church basements, probably like a lot of many schools, knowing that we needed to be able to serve the t children the way that we wanted to serve them, that God needed to call us out into a new land. And so in order to follow that, we just simply took one decision as it came after them being good stewards with what we got. And so that's meant a new elementary campus. That's meant a new name. That's meant a merger. That's meant clarifying our core commitments. That's mean hiring people who um, are willing to take risks. And then we continue to walk along just the next decision after the next decision. We cultivated a, a caring community that's been a part of of our school, just simply telling our story as well as just telling our testimony. And people have been praying for this step for 40 years. This isn't something that happened overnight. And then when it happens, it happens overnight. Um, we have had a donor um, who said, I know it's laughable that a bank would ever give you any the money that it takes to move into this space. But I believe in what God has called you to do. And I'm willing to stand in the gap to support you to take this next step to secure the land. And so someone, you know, I would call a friend, um, was willing to stick their neck out for Jesus' name on behalf of the children of the city school to outbid charter schools and developers and other private schools and say, this land is for the city school. This is land, is land for God's glory. 25 classrooms, 10-year-old space, a chance for us to double in size, our own gymnasium. We never had a gymnasium before. It was like seven blocks away. Our, it, it, the stories of, of what we have done with the little that we've had, hopefully the Lord can trust us with this too. And so um, God has opened up this space, and we hope to move in in September and just to rejoice, to see children flourish. It's not about the building. It's not about the drywall. It's not about the tile. It's not about the windows of the neighborhood. It's about a place for children to flourish. And if it becomes about the building, shame on us. So looking to the future, what are your biggest hopes and your biggest dreams for the city school? I think our biggest hopes and dreams at the city school would be our, the smallest moment in time that we treat each other well and we give the glory to God. And where he takes that is, is his responsibility. It's our responsibility not to say no to what he calls us to. So right now we have two elementary campuses and then a large upper school campus that we're just stepping into. Does that mean two or three or four more elementary campuses? Maybe, maybe not. But if we can't care for each other and give a good, good testimony of whose we are and where we're called, the rest of it won't matter. There just aren't enough good schools 
flat out. There are not enough good schools, not enough good Christian schools, not enough good public schools, not enough good private schools. Kids suffer because the adults can't get their act together. So if adults can get our act together and actually care for each other, then maybe we could have one more good school. And however the Lord wants to use that, for His glory. So we know there's a, a turnover in the leadership of Christian schools. Many heads are preparing to retire over the coming years. Uh, what are the biggest challenges that you think will face the next generation of school leaders, and what encouragement would you have for them? I think if a leader's not scared out of their pants, they shouldn't be in their job, and they probably don't have a big enough challenge on their plate. I would say my hope for the next generation of Christian school leaders is that one person at a time um, follows the Lord and is willing to take the risks that He calls them to. Um, and I would hope that there would be as many people as possible to make that happen. I don't believe in the Christian school movement. I think the name movement is probably a word that has distracted us. Um, I believe in, in schools that honor Jesus. And so um, if we can honor Jesus well in our communities and we can have that dialogue across borders, across oceans, across nations, I praise God for that. I don't worship a movement. I don't, there's nothing in the Bible about Christian schools, not one bit. God talks about families and churches. And if we can be a part of that for families and for churches, for young people, regardless of what, how much money they make, regardless of their academic ability, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of where they live, that would be beautiful. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us today as well. Please be sure to check the notes on this podcast for additional resources and references related to today's conversation. Podcast notes can always be found on the ACSI blog at blog.acsi.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the blog again at blog.acsi.org, or you can also subscribe on iTunes. While you're there, rate or review the show and spread the word on social media. Thanks for all that you do to move Christian education forward. 